First Baptist Athens offers this podcast of devotions for Lent. Today's devotion is offered by Jennifer Baxley. It is based on the story from Matthew 27, 11 through 26, when Jesus stands before Pilate confronted by accusations. The scripture is read from the New Living Translation. The devotion begins with music provided by Sarah Delbane playing What Wondrous Love Is This Arranged for Flute. Lay aside everything else for the next few minutes. Allow the music to settle your soul, making space to listen for God. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusation against him, Jesus remained silent. Don't you hear all these charges they're bringing against you? Pilate demanded. But Jesus made no response to any of the charges much to the governor's surprise. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas? or Jesus, who's called the Messiah. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? 
The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, Then what should I do with Jesus who's called the Messiah? They shouted back, Crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, Crucify him. Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that the riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. I have never wanted to avoid a passage of Scripture like I wanted to avoid this text from Matthew 27 today. I glared at the notes from our group discussion on my kitchen table for seven or eight days, walked around the house trying to think of other things I could do to avoid reflecting on them, and generally tried to figure out why these words, which I've read at least once every year for the nearly 50 years of my life, hit me so differently this year. Why were they so dark? Why didn't I want to talk about them? Why was I kicking myself for helping Frank select this passage in the first place? Though I can't be certain, I have come to realize that it likely has something to do with January 6th of this year, a day and an experience I have yet to fully process. It has been a privilege to grow up in a country where I did not have to see or really understand mob mentality, a place where government, whether I agreed with it or not, was fairly predictable and questioned mostly with harsh or clever words, rarely weapons and violence. It's been relatively easy as a parent to help my school-aged children learn about government, about administrative branches and process of legislation and peaceful transfer of power. What I was not prepared for on that January day was trying to explain to my children why there were Americans, hundreds of them, smashing windows of the Capitol building, assaulting police officers, and erecting gallows to intimidate those whose lives they threatened to end should they not act according to the mob's request. Many of them holding up religious, particularly Christian, symbols while doing so. There was a moment of panic as a parent in deciding if I should even let my children watch this unfold at all. If it was something that I wasn't ready for them to see or try to understand. Ultimately, I felt that their learning from history was much more important than protecting them from the horrors that were playing out right before our eyes, but they have had many questions since, and frankly, so have I. I do now understand the mob in today's passage a little better, how a core group of people intent on uprooting a political decision shows up with weapons and a plan of attack, and by playing on the anger and frustration of those around them, incites hundreds of people to go along with them in an act of violence and cruelty. And perhaps that visual experience of a mob is one of the reasons this passage felt different and darker this year. But that's not all that bothers me about it. 
More than anything, I find my reaction to Pilot a little different this time around. It's always been so easy to dismiss Pilot's behavior in this passage as weak and cowardly. So obvious to pinpoint him as a mid-level bureaucrat more concerned with his own job and status than anyone else's life or well-being. So simple to paint him with the same brush that we do Nicodemus or even Judas. Just not strong enough to stand for what is right. But I must confess that on this reading... I find myself relating to Pilate more than I have ever wanted to admit, especially in our current context. There are many things in life that I dislike, but perhaps none more than confrontation. Have you ever wanted to please everyone so much that you took the path of least resistance to avoid conflict? Have you ever worked so hard to avoid confrontation that you lay aside your own passions to try to diffuse the anger and passions of others? I can't tell you how many times in our polarized religious and political world I have chosen silence over conviction just to keep everyone happy. How many times I have looked away, closed my mouth, or scrolled on down just so I wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings. I know my truth, but sometimes others are so strong in theirs it feels futile to argue. Now don't get me wrong. I know there are moments when my silence has been necessary to preserve relationships with those I love, and I do recognize that there are times in life that silence is just as courageous as speaking. But sometimes I am left wondering this. Are there other moments when a well-chosen word, if I had the courage to speak it, could have made a difference? It is a question I wonder if Pilate would later ask himself a question that I hope politicians have pondered since that January day, and it is the question that causes me to struggle with my own weakness. In the spirit of full disclosure, even now, I am fearful that as I speak these words, there is someone whom I will offend. I am not always proud of my silence, and that's why today's passage is so hard for me. This is the moment I look Pilate in the eye and recognize that I may not have protected Jesus any better than he did. And just when I think my reckoning with Pilate is the worst part of this passage, perhaps nothing is more haunting than Jesus' utter silence in the face of it all. In these 16 verses, he offers only three words in his own defense. You say so. Which is just another way of asking What do you say? He knew. He knew the mob was too strong. He knew that Pilate wasn't strong enough. He knew his fate, and he knew what was to be. His silence is deafening. And in the raging noise of Jesus' silence, I am left only with this. What do I say? What should I do with this Jesus who is called the Messiah? Let's pray. Oh God, undergird us when we are too afraid to speak. Empower us with the Holy Spirit in ways that will cause us to do justice, to stand for what is pleasing to you, to say what we need to say about this Jesus who is called the Messiah. Amen.